Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Ever feel like this? Yesterday we had another funeral here at the church. One of our members, who hasn't been in the area for a while, lost her son at age 26 or 7, I think it was, Jonathan Everett. And so we had a pretty good crowd yesterday for this funeral, and it seems to me, and Rick said it this morning, it just keeps getting worse, doesn't it? One thing after the other. We've already had a number of young deaths in our community with uh, the radio co-host over here and so many others in our, in our community. And especially for a young person when they die so early in life, or so unexpectedly, even later in life, it can make us wonder what in the world is going on. Some things in life just don't make sense, do they? And there are days when these things come at us from all different angles. You've heard it said that bad things come in threes. That's a lie. They come in fours and fives and sixes too. Yesterday, during the service, as I was trying to bring comfort to the family and the friends who were there for Jonathan, it it was really difficult for me because I was doing a couple of things and trying to explain that, you know, as a Christian, we believe there's better things to come. We believe we're going to see him again. But just before I got up to give the message, while some people were speaking in memory and honor of him, I looked down, and one of the things that the family had brought to remember Jonathan by was his little Winnie the Pooh bear. And that struck me because my son James carried a Winnie the Pooh wherever he went when he was young. If I remember the story correctly, Denise and I had gone to the Disney store one time, 
And our goal was to get a stuffed animal for each one of the two kids. I think we bought four, if I remember correctly. And we kind of thought which one would gravitate to the other one, to one of the four. And I thought, I think Denise thought this too, that James would gravitate towards Tigger. The bouncy, bouncy Tigger, remember? That's more like me, I guess. Never sitting still and bouncing around from one thing to the next and always talking and full of energy. James gravitated to Winnie the Pooh. And I remember when he was so young, things weren't going his way, life didn't make sense, he would hang on to that Winnie the Pooh with all of his might. And just having that Pooh bear in his grip somehow made things better. And it took me back to when I was a kid. One of my mom's friends had bought me a teddy bear and I mean, it was old and ragged after just a couple of years from carrying it everywhere I went. But it was the same thing. It was that, that comfort. I think we all need a teddy bear to hang on to every now and again. That, that reminder of the comfort that we need to help us when life just doesn't seem to make sense. I mean, how do you comfort a family who has lost their son after a heart transplant that didn't last for more than three years, and knowing their younger son has to go through the same thing. And the mother has been through it too. Life doesn't make sense sometimes. I've wondered as a pastor in my ministry over the years, and especially here, why do some families seem to get whacked so much with one thing after the other, or these big things that happen that there's just no rhyme or reason, no way to explain it away when, when things happen that don't make sense. I think Jesus recognized this aspect of life and talked to his disciples about it a few times. And one of those times, I believe, is in this passage that we just read here in Matthew. I will confess that as a pastor and a student of the Bible for most of my life, there are some passages that I just love to go to and preach about and talk about and teach in Sunday school or in Bible study. And then there are some that, well, I wish they weren't in the Bible, you know. Or, not in this case, but in this case, don't quite fully understand exactly what the words mean. I don't know about you, but a lot of people read the Bible and they'll say, well... Some of it makes sense, but of a lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of it's confusing. Sometimes it seems contradictory, and sometimes it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. The Bible can be like life. It doesn't always make perfect sense. And for me, at least, this passage in Matthew is one of those examples. It, on the surface, doesn't make sense. I mean, in the world that we live in, wouldn't you think that those who are poor in spirit wouldn't be comforted? It seems to me that the ones who are rich in spirit are the ones who are going to be the fortunate ones, don't you think? I mean, we're not talking about money here or well-to-do-ness. We're talking about the spirit of a person. 
how their spiritual life is. And, and we know that just coming to church doesn't get it done, but when our spirits are full and energized, don't we feel closer to God? And I don't want to be poor in spirit, even when the circumstances of life don't seem to make sense. Maybe especially then, I don't want to be poor in spirit. I want to have God's spirit in my life. So what in the world, or what in heaven's name, could Jesus be meaning when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That seems to me to be an opposite statement. Kind of like Puxatawney Phil. I mean, if the story is, and the prediction is, that if he sees his shadow, he goes back in for six more weeks of winter, doesn't that mean the sun was out? I mean, he wouldn't see his shadow if the sun wasn't out, right? So why wouldn't the sun being out mean there is six more weeks of spring? If it was snowing out, he wouldn't see his shadow. Isn't that opposite? In my simple mind, it is. I guess I'm not a, I'm not a groundhog. My one friend from high school, from kindergarten on up, actually, I have two friends like that, uh, real close to this day. Jeff, his birthday is today. Happy birthday, Jeff. I always called him a groundhog, and he couldn't predict the weather any better. He's living in Louisiana right now. Jesus said a lot of things that were confusing, complicated, maybe opposite. In fact, there have been two books written with a similar title, The Difficult Sayings of Jesus. Sometimes in God's world... What seems to make sense in our world aren't the same. And maybe that's good. We try to find meaning and purpose in our world. And in our world and our culture today, that's becoming more and more difficult, it seems to me. Things don't make sense in this life, do they? And then we're trying to connect with God's world, God's spirit... And there are times when that doesn't make a lot of sense either. And in these sayings called the Beatitudes, we have a list of things that Jesus talks about that just because you're experiencing this now doesn't mean you will always experience that. My dad had a lot of sayings. One of the things he said was that time heals all wounds. Really, Dad? Time can help. But does time really heal all wounds? Now, one thing about time, we have our own time, and then there is God's time. We ever pray for something and hear the word wait? Isn't that awful? Or not yet? Waiting is so hard for most of us. But God's time is more important than Bob's time, and more important than your time. And just because something or some things don't make sense now doesn't mean they will always not make sense. Does that make sense? I think Jesus had a very difficult thing to do 
Because not only did he need to get his 12 disciples prepared and ready for his own death and crucifixion, but get them ready to move on beyond that. And that's the real difficult part of any tragedy in our lives. Any moment that doesn't make sense for us, it's, it's one thing to go through that difficulty, but it's even much different to go from that moment on and keep going on in this life. I thought that I understood a lot about grief as a pastor in all my years of ministry, but I don't think I really did until I experienced it myself with my wife's death. I was saying the other day to somebody, I'll go home even some evenings now or some afternoons now, and it's five years plus later, and I still almost expect her to be there. Right, Jenny? Time might help, but doesn't always heal every wound. Tragedy comes into our lives unexpectedly. We have people like Jeff Wirt, who are struggling right now with cancer and not much hope, still hanging on by a thread, and all the family and friends who that affect. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's one thing about looking forward. And maybe that's kind of what Jesus wants his disciples to do here. You know, there's a good and a bad thing about looking forward to time ahead of us. I remember as a kid growing up, i get in trouble with my mom. My brother and I would get in trouble with my mom while dad was at work or singing in the choir in the morning. We sat in the pew with my mom, and my dad sang in the choir, in the choir loft at the choir. And we'd be clowning around, you know, we were bad in church even. And mom would always say, Just wait till your father hears about this. Do you know, waiting for that was worse than the punishment? I mean, my gosh, it was. It was way worse. Because you always thought the worst. Oh, dad's going to find out about this now. But I say it and I believe it. There's more to this world and our lives than what we see. You know, look around, and what we see and what we hear and the senses that help us to make sense of life can be tough. But there's more to this world and more to our lives than just the obvious, than just the things that we can see or hear or touch or smell. We can't see God, can we? But we know that God exists. We know that God is. We can't see heaven. But we know that we have family and friends there. And don't we believe that someday we'll be there? So maybe we need this way of talking and looking at things that don't make sense. Because of their complexity. After all, our Christian faith is built on something that doesn't make a lot of sense. How could a faith like ours be built on a symbol of capital punishment? Does that make sense to you? I think one time many years ago I gave a sermon on the the cross. And I mentioned in that sermon that... It's ironic and maybe a bit odd 
that we have so honorated and cherished the cross of Jesus. Yesterday, the first hymn of the day was the old rugged cross. Remember that hymn? One of the great favorites is still in our hymnal to this day. And, and we, we glory in the cross, it says. R- really? A cross is a method of death. And yet we hold it up as a symbol of our faith. And we have it in our churches and on the front of our hymnals and our Bibles because of the message of the cross, not just what it represents or the symbolic form of it. Seems to me that much of the story of Jesus doesn't make sense, maybe, at first glance. But the more we dig and the deeper we go, maybe there's something about it. And certainly, in this case of the cross, I can't think of a more perfect symbol for comfort in death than to know that this isn't the last word. That death isn't the last word. That our situation, whatever happened yesterday or today, isn't the last word. There's more coming. And just because we've had a bad day or a bad moment or a bad tragedy does not mean the next one will be the same way. Maybe it will. But aren't there better days coming? And maybe not even in this life, but in the life to come. That's what our faith is built on. we got a problem. Because we can't share that message unless we feel it and believe it ourselves. You know, I'm sometimes very critical of our church and us pastors because we're our own worst enemies. We complain about the empty pews, but we struggle our own selves with what this word is and what our faith is about. Trying to make sense of life that doesn't seem to make sense all the time. And we'll point fingers here and there and say this is why the church is struggling. Maybe it's our fault. Maybe we don't believe enough. And if we don't believe enough, how can we share anything of value or importance to anybody else? It's what we believe that's contagious. Not always what we feel or what we say. That's kind of ironic, but it's true, I think. And Jesus, he knew that his life on this earth was limited. Isn't that true of all of us? We don't know how many days we have. We never do. Might be a long time, might not. But he had to get his disciples ready and prepared for what was coming next. And next might not mean tomorrow or next week or next year. It might mean eternity. Never know. And every single one of his disciples, except for one or two, went through martyrdom. They were punished and beaten and killed because of their faith. And I shake my head and I think to myself, would I have had that courage? I don't know. We talk about putting your faith where it matters and putting your belief in things that really count. That is hard especially when people are beating you and killing you for it. We have it way easy in this country, don't we? We don't have to worry about that too much. 
I guess for me, this is the symbol I, this picture I came up with on Monday, our first day for the bulletin cover. I'll admit, as a person of faith and a pastor, there are things that for me don't make sense. I can't understand why parents outlive their children. I, I can't understand why good people are taken so early or so tragically and so suddenly in life. I don't understand a lot of things in this world. I just don't. But maybe there's comfort in knowing that I don't have to. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know exactly why things happen or why God God does certain things the way God does or why things twist and turn in life that don't seem fair. All I have to do is trust. And I can do that. It's a lot easier for me to trust than to know. See, I guess I'm not the best student in the classroom. I never seem to be. Since I was little, I was a pretty rebellious student. Didn't like to pay attention. Spent a lot of times out in the hallway. Or in the coat room. Kindergarten. Ended up in the coat room the first week of class. How has that happened? I mean, you got to work at that, right? But I don't have to know a lot. I mean, I, I know a fair amount about the Bible and about our faith, but when it comes right down to it, what I know doesn't really matter that much. It's what I believe and what I trust that matters the most. And I think that somehow, in our world today, and maybe in all days, that's what brings sense to things. You see, for me, I don't have to know why my wife died when she did, leaving two children behind in their first semester of college, or why Jonathan died this past week and left behind so many close friends that we celebrated with yesterday and a loving mother and father who are heartbroken. I don't have to understand why. I, I really don't. What I have to do is believe there's something more. There's something beyond what I can see or know. And maybe even beyond what I can believe at first sight. I believe I believe. I remember one of the disciples made that comment to Jesus. And then he added, help my unbelief. Because we believe to a point, don't we? Most of us believe when things are going well in our lives. But when things hit the road and become difficult, then it's harder. And I don't know about you, but I have many days of doubting and wondering and questioning God. But at the end of the day, my job is to trust God and to say this in effect to that trust. I don't understand. I don't know. But God's got this. Right? I mean, I don't have this. I don't get this. I don't understand. There are many days I'm frustrated as a pastor. But God's got this. God always has this. No matter what this is. God's got it. 
God taking care of it, and God's taking care of it already. Before we're even aware of what's going on, God's got this. We sing that. We talk about that. We preach about that. But the question is, at the end of the day, after all the words are said and all the feelings are felt and all the tears are cried, do you trust God? Do you trust God when it doesn't make sense? For me, that's when I trust God the most. Would you pray with me? God, we confess that we don't know a lot. Sometimes we think we do, but we don't know anywhere near as much as you do. Forgive us for our doubt and for our unbelieving ways and thoughts. So many times that's what we feel the most, God. We struggle to make sense of things in this life and we often fail to make sense of them. So God, teach us in our struggle to put our trust wholly in you. To learn that we don't have to know everything. All we have to do is believe in you and put our trust in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.